Friends, this morning's scripture lesson is found in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. This comes from the lectionary reading, and in this season of the lectionary, it is looking at different journeys, different moments when God called people on a journey. And this is the beginning of the journey of Abram, whom we will later come to know as Abraham. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the family, families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from the New Testament. It's in the book of the letter to the Romans, and it is chapter 4, verses 13 through 25. Here, the Apostle Paul will talk about the meaning of Abram's journey and his faith. Listen now for the word of the Lord. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there a violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was almost a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had said he promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness, now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe, believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who, has handed, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Spirit of the living God, speak to us. Spirit of the living God, speak through us. Spirit of the living God, speak in spite of us. 
And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in whose name we pray, amen. Today, as we celebrate the memory of Bill Robinson, I thought it was appropriate that we would talk about the car and what it has come to mean, at least in some ways. The car represents many things to us. Automobiles made sure of the rise of Detroit as a global city that dominated the auto industry. And of course, we think of the visionaries who made that happen. But perhaps most of all, the automobile has come to represent the urge to, as the term automobile suggests, to be mobile, seen most explicitly in that great American road trip. Have you ever been on a road trip? John Steinbeck embarked on such a trip and wrote about it, published as Travels with Charlie in Search of America. He writes about people marveling at his travels along the way and says this, I saw in their eyes something I was to see over and over in every part of the nation, a burning desire to go, to move, to get underway, any place away from any here. They spoke quietly of how they wanted to go someday to move about free and unanchored, not towards something, but away from something. I saw this look and heard this yearning everywhere in every state I visited. Nearly every American hungers to move. So what's your road trip story? And did you journal about it? I'll tell you one of mine. After high school graduation, my friends and I planned on a road trip, planned it taking Route 66, but plans fell apart and it never came to pass. So we said, after college graduation, we'll take a road trip. This time, we thought about the scenic Route 1 coastal highway in California, but once again, plans fell apart and we didn't go. And finally, after seminary, when I saw that the plans were falling apart once again, I decided I don't care who comes. I'm going on a road trip and I planned it out. I was ending my chaplaincy requirement in September in hopes of ordination and was starting a fellowship program through Princeton Seminary in Guatemala that was to begin in January. So I had this window of time between late September and Thanksgiving to get on the road. I even used maps, if you can believe it, because I only had a flip phone, something I'll have to explain to some of you one day. They're a part of the ancient American history. And I didn't take quite a fuel-efficient car, but boy, was it cool. A canvas-top 1997 TJ six-cylinder black Jeep Wrangler. I stocked it with water, trail mix, jerky, and would stop at farmer's markets along the way. I decided I would do a ring unbeknownst to me, much like John Steinbeck's own road trip. Starting out in New Jersey, I went upstate to Niagara Falls and I cut across. I saw the Great Buffalo Preserve in South Dakota. One of the most beautiful things I've ever done was this road trip, and it took about 10 weeks. I saw Old, Faith, Old Faithful and heard the wolves in Yellowstone. 
I traveled through three different seasons on the same day at Glacier National Park where my Jeep broke down, by the way. That's another story. I prayed in what was aptly named Cathedral Grove in Muir Woods, stood in awe of the sequoias and slept under the stars in the darkest part of the United States, Death Valley. I walked up to the wonder of the Grand Canyon, walked through the petrified forest. I bought a straw hat in New Orleans, put my toes in the Pensacola sugary sand. All this I did as I visited friends and family throughout the country and journaled and took pictures. And all of this was by grace. I wouldn't have been able to do it unless one day I just decided to go. There's something romantic about road trips, adventures, setting on a journey. Many of you feel this too. Traveling helps us see things differently. Maybe that's why some of you signed up to the pilgrimage to Scotland to celebrate the Kirk's 75th anniversary or are hoping to go to the pilgrimage to Greece and Turkey next year. Neuroscience tells us about certain benefits to travel. In a 2019 Forbes article by Suzanne Kelleher, she reviews neuroscience studies on travel and highlights the following. Travel can rewire our brain. It can make us more creative. It can reduce our dep depression levels and stress and make us happier. In fact, even just the anticipation of travel and the return from a good trip also increase happiness levels. Now, we might be tempted to project some of the romanticism of the open road and the great American road trip to today's story. And we wouldn't be entirely wrong. There's a sense of adventure that awaits Abram and it will change the course of his own life and the course of history. But remember that the story is broader. Abram's father, Terah, had moved his family from Ur of the Chaldeans, a place that many scholars believe is in the city of Ur in Iraq, a cosmopolitan place that erected the ziggurat, which is still standing today, a massive pyramid structure that was built almost 5,000 years ago as a place for religious ritual. Now, Terah was supposed to head to Canaan, but never made it. And so he dies in today's story in Haran, which scholars believe to be in modern-day Turkey. Now, according to scholars, Haran was possibly founded as a merchant colony by Sumerian traders from Ur. And over the course of its early history, Haran rapidly grew into a major Mesopotamian cultural, commercial, and religious center, second in importance only to the Assyrian Empire's own capital. In either case, whether Abram experienced life fully in Ur of the Chaldeans or in Haran, Abram experienced the heights of human ingenuity in the great ancient cities much like those who experienced the ingenuity in Detroit's early days. And he was being asked in today's scripture, he is asked to leave his comforts, the comforts he knows and are only available in the city. There are no suburbs in the ancient world. 
And he is asked to leave the city and go into the wilderness, which is not like a road trip to Yellowstone, which is relatively uh, safe. Instead, he is to leave everything he knows to be familiar and comfortable, family and friends. He's leaving his father's house. And in fact, in the next chapter, Abram and his family and workers will face a famine. In his day, travel was not a happy road trip where you thought about the tours you'd be on, the food you'd try, and the beautiful pictures you'd take. To leave your home, let alone a city, was to journey to the likelihood of your failure. You were heading into your possible death. This is exactly why Scripture calls Abram the father of faith, not because he's going on some fun road trip to Yellowstone, but because he's risking a journey into the unknown and likely even death. But we know this kind of travel too, don't we? Not just great American road trips, it's the other trips. When we have to go to the hospital when we've gotten that bad news phone call. When we have to go to court because relationships, business, personal or otherwise have gone awry or we go to war, or we know loved ones who go to war because nations have failed to make peace. When we have to go to work only to miss the special moments at home, and boy, do we regret that. Or it's like the early Dutch Calvinist settlers of Holland, Michigan, escaping persecution in their homeland, have to go, wondering if they'll ever return and wondering if they'll be welcomed in the new land in 1847 not unlike migrants from the, around the world today fleeing exploitation and persecution of all kinds. This is more like the go God gives to Abraham. Not one in which Abram wants to leave, but he has to leave. Go, Abram. Leave it all. Everything you know, everything that's comfortable. And maybe we don't want to go. I have a confession. When Meredith and I were discerning whether to leave Delaware, we really struggled. We loved our Midtown Brandywine neighborhood that featured city life and its amenities on one side and a bucolic park designed by Frederick Law Olmsted on the other of Belle Isle and Central Park fame. We loved the work and ministry we were doing. We were close to family and friends. We could take an 85-minute train ride to see a show on Broadway or tour the nation's capital, let alone access so many places in between. But there was a moment when we felt called to Delaware, my home of seven years, to come to Michigan, which was largely to us unknown. In fact, for some reason, I skipped it on my road trip. I think at the time, I just didn't know anyone who lived in Michigan. With a deep sadness, Meredith and I looked at each other, and I remember just telling Meredith what I was experiencing in prayer. I believe God is calling us and is going to teach us something. I don't know what it is. I don't know the purpose will serve. In fact, I'm nervous about it. But we have to trust that God is good. I felt God say go, and so thank you, Meredith, because we went. And it wasn't easy. 
With baby Eli on the way, some of you know the story of the challenges we had in finding a house and then the challenges we faced in owning the house with some unexpected repairs. But all of you know about the challenges we all faced as the Kirk with multiple transitions of people we cared about and maybe people we still miss. We faced sadness, loss, pain, conflict, uncertainty. And yes, God did teach me something through it all. You see, sometimes if we had known how hard the lesson would be, we would not have listened. We would not have gone. We would not have obeyed when God said, go. That's why you have to trust or you'll miss the lesson. What was the lesson for Abram? That God is good and worthy to be trusted, to be praised, to be listened to and followed. God will keep showing up in the story of Abram again and again to remind him of that. If you trust me, Abram, you will experience my faithfulness. If you trust me, I will bless you, but not just for your own sake. I will bless you to be a blessing. I will make your name great, not for your vanity, but to bless the world. If you trust me, you will be a part of a bigger plan. God keeps showing up and blessing Abram throughout the story, and Meredith and I keep seeing God show up in our own lives, for we have been blessed too. We've been blessed by the preschool Ever Ruth just finished before she starts kindergarten in the fall, if you can believe it. And to put Miss Hanpeter on the spot, we'll never forget the card she wrote to Eva, welcoming a family who didn't know her. We've been blessed by your words of encouragement, your generosity, when you've held Eli or Eva, or simply when you didn't let Eli somehow distract you from worship as you ran around this place. This is how we know a call is from God. When you are blessed, when God keeps showing up and you're blessed to be a blessing, it's not just about your own success, but about the flourishing of others around you and the world God loves so much. A call is not about running away from something or escaping, but rather God tells us to go, as Frederick Buechner once described it, to where your deepest gladness meets the world's deepest need. Pastor Kelsey last week talked about God's call on our lives and the proper response is, here I am, Lord, send me. And that part of that sending means to actually go. In this season of continued transition, we will see, soon hear about our mission study that has received input from the surveys you filled out, the Kirk conversations you participated in, and from a variety of other inputs. You'll hear about the formation of a search team for the Kirk's next senior pastor. There is still so much ahead of us. We will need to discern where God is calling the Kirk to go, to be blessed, to be a blessing to others. Maybe it's the one-stop shop pilot project in Pontiac where we will serve those in need or maybe the possibility of a mission center with Presbyterian villages. Maybe it's today as we honor Bill's memory and service to the Lord through the Kirk and raise some funds for Good Shepherd Orphanage. Where is God calling you to go as part of this church? Maybe it's to go drop off some sandwiches to our ministry partners 
to feed hungry neighbors, to go volunteer at a Micah 6 dinner, to go on a mission trip to North Carolina with the youth, to go become a deacon or a Stephen minister, to go visit someone, maybe even today at the hospital, or to go join a committee or team because we need leaders to step up and give their time and talent. Where is God calling you to go in your own personal life? Maybe it's to go have that uncomfortable conversation or confrontation. Maybe it's to go forgive. You know who. Maybe it's to call and say, I love you today. Go. God might be calling you to shift your career, to change how you live and how you spend your time and money and talent. So go. Trust the Lord. And I promise you, according to the scriptures, you will be blessed. And not just for yourself. You will be blessed to be a blessing. Like Abram, you might not see it all come to fruition quite yet. Like Abram, you might not even get the whole journey right. Remember, Abram will later lie and deceive. He'll put his wife Sarah at risk. He'll try to take God's plans into his own hands. He'll have a conflict with his nephew Lot. He doesn't always trust God perfectly, but he's always open to trusting in God. Abram just goes because God says so. Will you go? For it is Jesus Christ who goes before us. From heaven to earth, from earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave, and from the grave into the new life of resurrection. Friends, trust in the one who raised Jesus from the dead and be blessed. Just go. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.